Welcome to the dark forest. Jackie and her pals will never bore us. Shameless confessions about our obsession will make us laugh and smile. So let's explore the dark forest and dark down for a while. Hello and welcome to the dark forest. It's Jackie Cation. You know the websites. JackieCation.com, DorkForest.com, TheDorkForest.com. You might maybe even know the credits. Mike Rickberg composed and sang with his girlfriend Sarah Cohen the Dork Forest theme song. Mike Rickberg. Patrick Brady's going to fix this audio. Bless him. And Vilmosh has been doing the ads all month. Does my website. So there you go. It is November. So in November... I don't ask that you donate. What I ask that you do is because every other month I ask you to donate. November and December, I ask you find your local food bank. Google the words, whatever your town you live in. With that, you Google the word food bank. And then the food bank in your local town will come up and then you give them 20 bucks or 100 bucks or whatever. You can, if you want, order stuff from the Dork Forest and JackieCation.com because it is the holiday season. Maybe you want to give a gift. That is one way to support the show if you still want to support the show. But it's the holidays. You should uh, give somebody a sandwich. Anyway, you can use the Amazon banner on JackieCation.com. What it is is there's a white banner on the front page. It clicks you. It gets you through to Amazon. You place your order. I get a little kickback. People have been using it. I appreciate it. On JackieCation.com, there's an actual merch page where you can get all of my CDs, my new DVD or CD called This Will Make an Excellent Horcrux or a Ranger T-shirt or the Dork Forest T-shirt. And, um, yeah. And this month's ad is Bob Calhoun. You're going to hear it in a second. You're all good folk. Enjoy the show. It's a good one. Shattering conventions, shattering conventions, shattering, shattering. Hey, I sang. It's Jackie Cation. Shattering conventions, commerce, cosplay, and conflict on the expo floor by Bob Calhoun is this month's sponsor. It's a hilarious and disturbing book. Friend of the show, conventions dork Bob Calhoun has been on the show previous episode. He goes to all kinds of different conventions, trade shows, and expos, and writes about it in Shattering Conventions. But he doesn't just go to Comic-Con and Star Trek conventions. He goes to a gun show, a livestock show, a Republican convention, a conspiracy convention. I remember being uh, slightly worried when he went to that one. And even a Bigfoot hunter con. There's all kinds of crazy and wrong in this book, and it's not always where you expect to find it. Not only have I read this book, I endorsed it with a blurb on the back cover, and I recommend it to all rangers of the dork forest and spooky reading girls within the sound of my voice. The book is Shattering Conventions, Commerce, Cosplay, and Conflict on the Expo Floor by Bob Calhoun. It's available in ebook and paperback from Amazon.com and other fine booksellers. Uh, for more on the book, go to ShatteringConventions.com. It's a really good book. You should get it. Hey, it's Jackie Cation. Welcome to my living room, Rangers of the Dork Forest. I'm sitting here uh, with a guy who was there at the beginning, Joe Wilson. Welcome back to the Dork Forest. Thanks for having me, Jackie. <laughs> so cool that you're here. It's been a while it has on been this version and an even longer while on the previous, previous version. weekly two years of two years of, of Go to Blog Talk Radio and listen to some really shitty sound. Yeah, that's it. It's a Red Fox album waiting to happen. <laughs> Holy smoke. Someone can maybe massage. Should, somebody should go through and just remaster them all and make them stereo and clean them up. From your mouth, <laughs> not my ears, to someone else's. Hey, yeah, Ranger, whoever, who wants to do that? Whoever wants to do that, don't. 
I think Darlene, uh, Darlene uh, Vendega, I think I'm pronouncing Vendegna. Vendegna. I spelled her name wrong in the credits for something once. And she no. Let me know. Yeah. That's it. Because here's the thing. Joe Wilson, uh, political dork at the time or, or. I was, yeah, like a news dork. And I, and yeah. I have, I have, um, I'm, uh, I guess I am, uh, six years sober of, right. of the news. Right. Now, Where are the maybe? chips? Right. Where are the chips? Yeah, kinda, That's the way to do it. You got to step away. It's, I uh, had to. You had to. You were, well, the thing is, once you sort of recognize that the United States is a giant crime organization, why pay attention? I think giant patches of hair were falling out of and, you. And are, and are coming back now. Now they're coming so, back. Yeah. Look at that. Six years little later. little stressed out. So, <laughs> yeah. Every time I get stressed out, uh, patches of hair fall out of my beard or right. the back of my head. Or the, it was thong. the weirdest back of your head kind that of. It was not male pattern baldness no, at all. No, it was just this it was weird, weird circle. It was yeah. more like kind of a outer limits alien kind of a thing. Yes, yeah, circle. Like all, all the people who are aliens all have that same shaped circle in right. the back of their head. Maybe that's where the probing was happening. You brought your own coffee. I got you a backup coffee. I'm because your coffee, you're you're good. You're a coffee person. I think I that's been established. I drink a lot of coffee. I do drink. I do the coffee cheers on on the Twitter and the Facebook every. Seven days a week, three hundred sixty-five days a year. That's it. At Vampire Mob or at Joe Wilson TV, right? Yes, that's where. Or I, even at I, PL Shorts. I have too many Twitter accounts. Oh, for right, right. Play Shorts. Play Shorts. Another you were, you were, series, right? Because, we, okay, so I'll, I'll. This story probably was told on the John Colella episode, the previous one, where we did the show for two years, and then right. you decided um, to the, go do a bunch of other stuff. To go do a bunch of other stuff, right. and I remember. Uh, it being slightly exasperating because I wouldn't do pre-production stuff and you were doing all the pre-production stuff. And I was like, no, no, of course, please go forth and do. And then you left and there was, turns out there was a leadership vacuum. <laughs> there was a vacuum of leadership. <laughs> I had to step up. The dark forest needed to be led. Yeah, the dark forest actually needed uh, some and structure. Jackie, congratulations because you have blown the fuck up. Uh, well, Cheer, well, coffee thanks, cheers coffee to you, Jackie Cajun. Coffee cheers to me, Jackie Cajun. Absolutely. People are liking it. People are on board. And yeah, you uh, put in the... You put in the time, you put in the work, you're the real deal. That's it. Like you were there at the beginning. You know, I, like, ground I, there's, floor. there's a bunch of other podcasters that other people know, but you yep. were there fucking three, four years before them. I know it. I know it. And, um, and you know what? Doesn't matter. It so doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. Doesn't matter. It's, you, you, the only reason you do it, you got to do it for the, well, if the you're joy. Not, well, if you're not doing it for the joy and yeah. you're not doing it for the love of the audience, like I literally would, the, like, you would make out with every single vampire mob fan. Well, it's not, it's, it's beyond. It's not like, sexual. It's not sexual. I would hug them, maybe. Maybe a nice, you know. Right, you're like in a committed a, a monogamous creep, relation. Not a, not a creepy hug. Right, no, no, no. I would, I would do the, the pat on the back with one hand just sure. to. You're from Boston. You're from well, not New from York, Boston. I'm from but you, you, upstate. But right. Yeah. I didn't lose my R living in Boston. Right. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, the audience genuinely saved me. Like I. Yeah. Because I played the show business game for, a really long time and had a tremendous amount of shit go wrong right? and had to be taught that, um, that the entertainment industry is a, is a dying business model and marketing is sort of like a Renaissance fair and that everything's changed and not enough people have realized it. And lucky for me, I uh, never knew what the business model was. And so I just kept doing stand up. And then Mm -hmm. that weird guy at open mic said, Hey, I'm doing a podcast. And I said, what the hell is that? Right. Yeah. But so, you remember doing a pod when you told people you did a podcast, oh, oh, 06, whenever, yeah. whenever that was yeah. seven. Um, I remember 
the response from most comedians I spoke to at that point, yeah. they, they kind of pat you on the head and go, oh, isn't that nice? You got a little podcast. <laughs> you make a little tape recording, put out yeah. a little cassette, mail to people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, they, so, so people just want to hear you talk. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Right. When you go on and do that, I'm going to go in the real world and make a living. And whether and a lot of those people happened. quit, so. yeah, a lot of those people quit. A lot yeah, of those they're people, gone, or they have podcasts now, or they all have. <laughs> everybody has, and that's the thing. It's like right. I, I don't like. I think this is the greatest time in the history of storytelling of of every like this. Just has accessibility ne- creates, yeah. But I the think- thing about it is like I. Tell stories to people in other countries. I'm just a guy in an apartment, like with my seven thousand miles away. Yeah, yeah, like New Zealand, South Africa. Like, yeah. how the fuck did I do that? And that's right. the thing. It's like you. I don't need a billion dollars a year to tell stories. No, no. You know, I mean that. I mean the because of because of all this technology. Because it's just it's affordable. Everyone. But I I think it's actually beyond the technology because in 06, the technology was there. What wasn't there was the human behavior that consumes the technology. And what happened was uh, Steve Jobs tricked everybody into buying a computer that he named phone. Oh, right. And then what happened was everyone was using their computer that mm-hmm. they kept calling a phone because right. it wasn't a computer. Right. But you look at it, it's barely a phone. Right. So It is barely a and phone. And the consumption of like that idea – like my parents will still – not watch something on a laptop. I want to watch a big screen. Right. But the reality I know, which has been coming, people are watching, you know, you're on planes all the time. When you walk to the bathroom and back, it is nothing but iPads and phones and tablets. And, you know, everybody's got their own in-flight everything. Yeah. And let me tell you something. The laptop screen, same size as your television when you were a baby. Uh, yeah, our television was like a 12 inch television when I was a kid. But it's also, it's right next to you. And it's, and it, right? We weren't allowed to sit that close. Remember when you weren't allowed to sit close to the television because it was going to ruin your eyesight? And now I sit next to two giant monitors most of my life. Right. Luckily, I never wanted children. And, uh, so (laughs) what the hell, right? It's, uh. I think I would have been bad at parenting just because, (laughs) because I, and I think the, the interesting thing, and it's got to be hard. I, if you are a human being who knows the world before the internet and you're a parent now, yeah. you have this weird kind of like, you shouldn't use technology so much, kid, because I didn't use technology so much, kid. And if you do, you'll be stupid. Right. But the reality is, but that is how human beings communicate now. So right. how much of the the face-to-face contact, the playtime, yeah, we all need to learn how to communicate. But the reality is so much more communication happens electronically now yeah. than before. So how can you teach a child your way because you, and why that, is it still way okay. back in the other century? Right. And why is it still okay? Like my dad, he's not writing me letters. He's not on the internet, but he calls me and the phone's okay. But we tried to give him an iPad and he was like, no, no, I'm not going to do that. Right. And I was like, okay. Uh, and, and my father, who similar circumstance in yep. terms of, of his mindset with an iPad, but seeing my mom play that farm fucking game all the time. <laughs> um, and so he used to start playing Mahjong on, the, on, oh, okay. on her iPad. Yeah. And so my sisters and I just got him an iPad uh, like a few weeks ago. Okay. And of course, you know, didn't set it up. So my my older sister got there, set it up for him, and he was on Mahjong. And the weirdest thing was my father's a fine woodworker. Mm-hmm. And he is, uh I don't know what he's working on. Right. And then so but he's he, usually building something? He's usually working on something. Okay. At all times, he's working on something. Oh, that's And neat. then every couple of months, you get to you see, see it. You see a thing? Yeah, you get to see a thing. <laughs> that's cool. So Yeah, it is. It's very cool. So he 
took a picture with his iPad and he emailed it to me all by himself. And oh it was God. a picture of jewelry that he earrings and a necklace that he made uh, that are part, you know, beads and that right. shit. And then wood that he like hand carved and right, did all right. this stuff. And, and so to have, you know, my 79 year old dad. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, I've, what I love about this time is that, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, uh, Gary V on, uh, Twitter. Um, okay. I'm a big fan of this guy. He's got a lot of great ideas. I think for storytellers, for normal people, even okay. though he's talking to like marketing businessy people. Oh, is he? But it's, it's, uh, but his idea, a lot of his ideas, one being imagine your parents at your age right now. And now imagine you at your age. How much younger are you than your parents? Oh, right. And even with my, and I said that to my parents. I said, can you imagine your parents? At 79 years old playing farm games? Yeah. You know, and, and trying to get the cat. If you right. catch a leaf every three hours, you get a cat. <laughs> <laughs> I, I told my, I literally had my mother tell me about it. And, and I said, why don't you just set your, your timer and just go. Yeah. Just go, uh, like every three hours and then you go over and get your, she got the cat. So oh yeah. Oh, good for her. Using technology. Good for her. Uh, my favorite thing is we ended up giving the, uh, uh, iPad to my great aunt who is 87. So nine years older than my dad. And so I was showing her how to use it and I was showing her how to do, she liked a uh, free cell when mm-hmm. she had a computer and she gave it up and now she's 87. She works 10 hours a week. She's working to, at the old folks home. She does the reception. Nice. She's like, the old people like me. Uh, do they, do they aunt Alice? Right. Uh, the old people. And, uh, so, but she's playing, I'm showing her how to swipe and do be uh, using bejeweled. And, and I also downloaded a free cell game for a little solitaire. And so she's playing Bejeweled and she's funny because she goes, okay, so you match the three. What's the, what's the point of this? Is this just points? Is that what's happening? And I was like, oh, that's a great line. You're right. There's no point. It's just compelling. <laughs> it isn't fun. It's just compelling. And because uh, that's, that's all those games. But the, I like, I had to give up games because we were just eating yeah, too much you, time. Yeah. You were also a big gamer. I was, yeah. You, you I mean, were I was on board. Still, Play, anytime PlayStation? you want to go to an, Find and operate and kill some zombies. Oh my I'm, God. I'm there. We oh have spent God. lots and lots of money doing that. I'll tell that. you something. My friend Mary Skinner from San Francisco is coming. She's, I'm making her take the flyaway from LAX. Uh, and he was like, you're not going to go pick her up. And I said, well, I'm doing a dark forest with Joe. And, uh, she just texted me. She said, I'm in LAX. Uh, so she's going to call when we're anyway, but, uh, we could all go. We could all Let's go play all vids. Go. Yeah. All right. Yeah. She, uh, she doesn't like them, but maybe. <laughs> Well, hey, she's come, traveled. Come do something she's you don't flown like. down from San Francisco to hang out hey. with me. We're going to go play video games. We're going to play video games. Yeah. What's wrong with that? She might like it. But, um, okay. So here's, here's my favorite thing about you is that, uh, that, that when you, you were like, I want to, I want to just make the things that I want to make. I'm sick of asking people if they'll let me make a movie. Right. Stop doing that. Right. And so you wrote a script. For Vampire Mob and Vampire Mob, hilariously, uh, let's see if I get this right. It's a sure. uh, uh, a hitman mm-hmm. um, is a vampire becomes a yeah becomes a vampire right. and he he bites his wife because he loves her and, and he becomes a vampire because he got shot and died and did the whole light at the end of the tunnel thing and, okay and he started hearing all the voices of the people who killed he killed okay so he has a really good reason for not wanting to die mm. so that's why he became a vampire never planning to make his wife a vampire oh and then he got hungry whoops 
<laughs> he's got he a wife forever, and right. his wife's pissed off that she won't have somebody to complain about her horrible husband to for the rest of her life, so she bites her mom, who has now moving in for eternity. And now it is essentially a caricature of a sitcom, but hilarious because it's so dark. And so weird. And so like, what's happening? Right. It's like the honeymooners gone crazy. Yeah. It's a little, it's and a it, little Sopranos. It's a little, um, I think I, it's my, a little married with children. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very kind of, fun. Thank you. Yeah. It's, it's, it was a, tr- the whole thing. Vampire mob has been my school, my. Right. Cause my, you had to, cause the thing is, is you have a degree in art and you know how to do take photography, pictures. take pictures. Yeah. You're I, like, I, I know how to take click. pictures in the eighties when there was film. <laughs> right. You, right. you could probably stuff. even develop you, film. You'd have to be in the dark. <laughs> right. And I so remember then, a professor saying to me, you guys, one day you'll just take all your pictures and then you'll go to a, you'll go to a payphone and you'll plug your camera into the payphone and you'll send all your pictures. That's what we were told oh, while we wow. were in school in the eighties. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy yeah. talk. Cause we were, I was studying photojournalism and documentary right. and, and that kind of stuff. So I was, you know, I was doing some incredible, like I've been threatened with arrest twice while shooting pictures. I've had a camera oh. knocked out of my hands by a baton, by a Boston cop during a, a, a political demonstration. Cause I was taking pictures of his fraternal brother, uniform humans, uh, Totally smacking a woman up against a truck, like six of them. And, wow. Uh, I put the camera up and all of a sudden it's black and then boom, uh, I got a yeah. cop in front of me with a baton that he's holding end to end and my camera landed on the back of my neck through the strap because he knocked it out of my hands. Wow. And said, no pictures. Nope. And I'm like, but I'll arrest you. Yo, wow. Mm-hmm. Charming. Right out in the middle of a, middle of a bridge over yeah. the Charles River. Oh, man. So. So, yeah, so, but it's an entirely different skill set, though. But what's interesting is I think that what comes into play with the, um, with the sort of film, like I do a lot of stuff that is no permits. I do a lot of stuff. That right. You is gotta like, do gorilla. Like I, I tried to write it thinking of where I was going to shoot it. And right. I think when you do that, you, you start to, um, instead of writing something like, I don't know where this is going to go. Right. And that, right. You, and that's you, you've the, already started booking like, well, I think from doing documentary, it's sort of like if you can just drop two actors anywhere yeah. and have them talk to each other, yeah. then they can pretend and you can point a camera at it and then cut it up and boom, you got a story. It's not really that hard. It's right. just you got to learn. Like I never shot with 5Ds before. What's, so a, I would, what's a 5D? A uh, Canon 5D is a 35-millimeter okay. DSLR. The first season we shot with video cam- like videotape cameras. Oh, really? Videotape. HD? Yeah. Uh, not even. Not SD, even. Standard SD. definition. All uh, right. The X2000 uh, and a 2100 for those oh. who like the Sony. Uh, People do. People the like Sony it dorks. Yeah. There's a Sony dork out there. <laughs> and uh, yeah, had to digitize it real time. And then wow. went season two. I tried to raise $10,000 on Kickstarter, struck out and had to raise, took six months to raise the money. Yeah. We were raising the money during production. But yeah. We shot 125 pages with 23 actors. Right. So how many um, episodes? Are, there's two seasons of Vampire Mob well, on the Vampire, internet. Yeah. If you go to VampireMob.com, there's a, a watch the show. And I have season yeah. one and season two is just two videos. That's how most people watch it. The episodes oh, okay. don't really matter. So okay. season one's like 27 minutes and season two's 49. Right. Okay. And it's yeah. all one story. Yeah. And, it's all one arc. And yeah. so you, yeah. you start, you finish. And, and, and I, and tonally this probably, there's a difference between season one and season two because my, like I hate mockumentary, uh, and I'm using it 
Yeah. <laughs> to, I'm using it. I'm using it almost to mock mockumentary <laughs> because what I wanted was the idea is that Don is shooting his own reality show. Okay. That's what he thinks. Right. And then what I wanted was that horrible idea to be destroyed by the story. So what happens is all this shit happens. Yeah. That he, that it, it's sort of like, Hey, let's all knit. Oh, the house is on fire. Like that, that, that's the difference in the plan. Right. He's going to, he, he wants to show how cool a guy he is and just bullshit keeps happening. And he's like, what the hell? Well, the thing about it is Don is a person who, who was based on two actual mob guys that okay. I knew when I worked, uh, at the Sinesta Hotel in Cambridge was, uh, still there, uh, may still be a mob hangout, but, sure. uh, if you're looking to find some made dudes, yeah, check go, out go Cambridge. Out go for lunch. <laughs> go for have the don't try the French dip. <laughs> <laughs> so one of those guys was a guy uh, who was cheating on his wife. Okay, and he got caught once, mm-hmm. and I won't say his name because I'm sure he's alive, but whatever. Right, he doesn't. And know. and yeah, like he's I'm sure he's listening to this podcast. Why wouldn't he be? It's a thank hi, God. Hi, Vinny. How are you? <laughs> What's gonna happen? Did you What's- ever finish the hair plugs? Because I knew I knew you gave up on the hair plugs halfway through, which is why I based a character on you because you do not think things through. Um, so that was kind of like Don. I'm like, okay, he's sort of like this guy. And then Frank Cadillac, Frank uh, Salemi, uh, his son Frank Salemi Jr. Uh, was a regular at my bar while he was going to court. So he was showing up at like noon okay. and having a sambuca and an espresso and. Tipping 10 bucks and, you know, nice guy. And nice charming, guy. Offer me a job. Wanted to help me get studio space. Was going to help me get studio space okay. downtown Boston. You wanted to use and his powers then, for good. Yeah. And then I found out who he was. Uh, he's the son of the guy who was supposed to take over the New England mob who uh, a bunch of people tried to kill. And then he went and hung out with John Gotti. And then uh, so raised came, by dirt bags. Came, back to, came back to Boston. Well, the thing is not not only raised by dirtbags, in business with him. He's in the mob. Uh, right, right. So, May uh, not be the greatest Whitey guy Bulger, name you might have heard. Whitey, Whitey Bulger. Uh, guy, sounds familiar. Guy in Santa Monica that was hiding out oh, in his okay. 80s that they just busted oh, yeah, a few yeah. years ago. Yeah. Uh, him, Frank Salemi Jr. and Cadillac Frank Salemi got busted by a movie production company, a uh, fake one run by the FBI that was based in Santa Monica. And ah. they tried to get around the Teamsters in Boston for a location shoot. Mm-hmm. So I'm at home. My phone rings and it's Elaine who's from Revere. And she's like, Joe, turn on the phone. <laughs> Frank's on the fucking TV. And there he is, mugshot. They said they got them all for racketeering. So, Elaine's from your old job yes. at Revere. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Revere, born and bred. And oh, that's I Italian. And, uh, yeah, and he went, he went off to jail. Then he died. Uh, Bulger did, you know, a couple of deals and then he took off. And, uh, Cadillac Frank Salemi may still be alive and under witness protection. Okay. All right. Yeah. Who doesn't? Cause Who he does... flipped. They all flipped. Yeah. And, it's... and my regular died in prison. Oh, okay. Okay. So, well, he, he would have died at prison or sitting on that stool. One of yeah, the, perhaps. One, it's of the a, one of the other. But, uh, and, uh, but to have, to work one of those jobs and have contact with people like that. So I have a context with human beings who are involved in that world who are not who on just TV. Make, who are right, not on who are TV. Real people. They're like, yeah. yeah, they're regular people talking about the fucking weather. You right. Know? They're regular and, people and then, and, who make terrible life and choices. And Vinny, the horrible guy with the, the hair plugs, he has said things like, do you want to see my new gun? 
Right. And then shows you his new gun in a bar in a during bar. lunch. Right. You in know. the 80s. Yeah. The late 80s, early when, 90s. When it isn't concealing carry or open carry or oh, yeah. any of Completely that stuff. Completely unregistered, filed I mean, off, no yeah, serial numbers. Crazy. Yeah. You know, my dad did that. My my dad came home uh, and he had he'd gotten into a, a, a game, a, a poker game where you had to have a gun. Whoops. It's a story that never works on stage, but um, it is he. But Nancy was like, "You can't have a gun in the house. I don't want a gun. What do we? What do we? We're gonna kill each other. We're right. not gazelles, anyway." So he um, and he, my dad's not gun people. So I'm like, he comes into the house and I'm 11, and he goes, "Hey, I had I got into that game, but I had to buy a gun. You want to see it?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm 11." Yeah, who so. He takes me out. It's in the trunk. It's in a jewelry box. Have I told you this? I might have told you this. You open the jewelry box. It's two matching pearl-handled Derringers. Oh, yes. That look like keychains, right? Right, right. And so I'm like, are those real? And he's like, yeah, yeah, but they're collector's items, so you can never shoot them. And uh, and I was like, well, what... (laughs) Do they count in the game? And he's like, yeah, yeah, they they made fun of me, but uh, they totally count. And, I, and then I go, well, what my favorite line of my father's, because he's such a piece of work, is I'm like, what happens if someone tries to rob the game? You're supposed to shoot them. And he goes, why do I need a gun? The rest of those guys have guns. They can shoot them. I can just, I don't know, I'll throw it at them. I don't give a shit. And my dad is just so self-absorbed. He's like, why do I need a gun? And I've tried to write punchlines. I'm like, what other, what if everyone had brought novelty guns, right? Other people, I brought a caulking gun. Isn't that what you meant? Everybody just pulls them out and they all have bang flags right. come out. Bang flags. And this is a wrist rocket. This is a t-shirt gun. Is Give that- me your wallet. Look, I have this collection. <laughs> I can't shoot you because it'll fuck up the value right. of this weapon. Right. But just give me your wallet. I have a diorama of guns that I most <laughs> admire. <laughs> Completely insane. This is insane. a picture of all my swords at home. <laughs> Exactly. Which I'm going to come back here with. Yeah, and I'll poke you with them because they're pointy. So, yeah, I mean, the whole thing's crazy. So you had to buy all this equipment, or did you rent? Oh, no, I bought it because I, I... The way we shot was completely out of order, haphazard, you know, okay. I was chasing a big name. I didn't have cast, all the cast. We ran out of money during production of season two. I had to stop. We yeah. had money for pizza. The, the way I sort of, the way I'm doing this right now is the audience pays for the work and I support myself doing like freelance gigs or writing for people or sometimes yeah. I help people with social media stuff. I don't say consulting because that sounds creepy or like uh, a job yeah it's just yeah. like i understand a lot of stuff about social media because people don't spend as much time thinking about it as i do and that is a gigantic advantage i mean seriously what i was thinking about what the kind of dorkdom that you have is that you will teach yourself to do something but you don't do it like regular people people are like oh i want to learn how to do that and then they learn how to do it and then they're done you jump into the well of whatever thing you want to learn and you wander around in it for days, for 14, 16 hours a day for months. And then I never see you. So, uh, I've been in my, my room for a while. Remember when you lived on that hill and it was like an iry? Am I pronouncing that right? Justin Timberlake was my neighbor. Justin Timberlake was your neighbor. And and living around a bunch of rich assholes. And and anytime you needed something, you got to get in the car. You got to get in the car and you. It was one of those apartments connected to a giant mansion that is cheaper than the apartment I have now. And it had a garage parking. Right, right. (laughs) Off street parking in the the hills. Ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I think the, the, what I hope 
to do is let more people know that they can do this. Like this is not like this is, you know, doing a podcast, making a painting, a song, whatever it is you want to do. Like now's the time to do it. And the problem is that most people don't do things because no one's paying them or they're not going to get famous. Right. And those are the two things that motivate people who quit because they're posers. They're full of shit. I've seen a billion of them. I've been in LA for 17 years, something you're never supposed to say. Right. Right. New people. Right. Because um, we're all supposed to be further along. That's, yes, that's exactly. the, that's yeah. the and thing. And the thing about it is like, here's, here's how I look at the entertainment industry. It doesn't exist now when the entertainment, entertainment tr- exists. Right. Right. But, yeah. but the industry prior to film, there wasn't an entertainment industry. There wasn't, you know, people told stories to human beings. There were right. just, there was fireside. Yeah. Porch there's, there's front. like, this is not, this is caveman shit. This is telling right. stories is caveman shit. Yes. This is not something <laughs> that t-shirt? this is not. Yeah. It didn't get introduced <laughs> with YouTube. It didn't get introduced right. with film. It didn't get introduced with books. You yeah. know, this shit there doesn't is have fucking, to be a moth. Yeah. This, this the is storytelling stuff. This yeah. is down to. So for me to be able to, you know, when I, I like, I don't, here, some techie stuff. I don't slate ever. I've never slated. So when you shoot with three cameras and you don't slate, you have to do it all in post. So I watch everything I shoot on three cameras. Uh, if I shoot with, wow. if I shoot with three cameras and I have two boom operators, I have to sync that sound six times because I have to sync both cameras to both mics. What? If you, Why don't you slate? Because it's, I need another human being. It's a waste of fucking time. Oh, there you go. And, and the thing about it is I'm the editor, I'm the director, and I'm also operating a camera and I'm listening to the boom operator who I taught how to boom, who doesn't know how to boom. Right. He's just a friend of mine who has now worked with me so many times. He kind of knows how do, to boom now. Right, right. Yeah. Kind, yeah. Like, like everybody. Brought, well, I brought him in on industrial, you know, stuff I do for companies. I bring right. him in to boom on that. And, right. You know, so now, now he's a magical, boom. magical. Right. Know? And that's the thing is all I do is I bring in what we did vampire mom with. Right. And point it at some people who talk about their company or tell their story. And that's the thing is like, I'm just helping people tell stories right. but so the the so everyone should i mean it's it's it, that's beautiful it's it's the it's the encouraging that everyone should just do the thing that they want to do and not worry about whether they're going to get famous or whether they're going to make well, money i think about it like why do, why do you do this podcast you know yeah and, I and, do it because it's fun to for, fun to hear different things that people really like. Right. <laughs> I'm and, like, you are enthusiastic about the one Rocky movie, just Rocky two. That's the whole thing. <laughs> We're gonna go scene by right. scene about how it changed your goddamn life. And that Let's comes through into the ear holes of the people that listen to the show on a regular basis. Right. How happy they know who you are. (laughs) Right. They know you're real. They know you're not. Right. You can't fake this shit. There's so many geek dork wannabe nerd, blah, 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 poser motherfuckers (laughs) who are trying to come up with the the next nerdist thing, the next this, the next that. And you have to genuinely give a shit. Yeah. You can't just fucking, you know, uh, Throw on a costume, be Miss Cosplay, and take over Comic Con, and then right. have a billion fall. I mean, you can, but that's pretty sad, right? I mean, and the thing is, is and and like I just did one with Kipley Brown, right? Kipley Brown is a she's she's an actress, right? She's been on several episodes of different programs, including Star Trek, and her door her real dorkdom is acting. She wants to dress up. She doesn't care if there's a camera pointed right. at her. She has a garage full of wigs. And so she wants to dress up and play dress up. And that's her dorkdom. So she was psyched to find out about cosplay. 
She's like, what's happening? I get to dress up like Ms. Marvel and then wander around. And, uh, so I, I, I'm okay. Like there's so much room on the dork bandwagon for me. I completely agree. Yeah. And, but, but, but there I are think people that are that, using it for marketing. Yeah. It's, it's the, it's the, those dirt bags that be, are irritating. I'm going to pose like this kind of person because I want to be like this kind of person and get these kind of people to listen to this. And when we're all starting to think in demographics, then we've, we're, we're lost because right. all we're doing is emulating the marketing thinking of a dying industry. You know, what's going on with television right now is what happened to music and what happened to publishing. Uh, if you're in a band right now, are you trying to get on a label? No. No. You could just... Yeah, you're out of your fucking mind. If it, It's a waste of time because all you're going to do is have a, a giant company that owns everything you do, markets for you, and then you have to go on the road to make a living and find some vodka or shit to sell because right. you're not going to make a dime on any of that music. Right. Well, the weirdest thing is that now I do... My new album came out on stand-up records. And Dan Schlissel, he wants to make money. He is a, he is a record label. Hey, this is all he, a business. I understand. Right. He needs to make money. I get that. And the things that he does for me, what he mostly does for me is he got it on iTunes and Amazon with, with, he, he expedited it. Right. Like I could have done it myself. I could sure. figure out how the hell to do it. And it's the only, for me, it's the only reason to have a label, to go with a label. I agree. And, um, I have other, there's other comics I know who are going with a label because they're like, well, this will help me. And I'm like, but what's the deal? Are you reading the contract? Because they are getting half of their radio play money. And you're like, you wrote those jokes. And as much work as Dan Schlissel at Stand Up Records does, and he loves to massage audio. That is his dorkdom. He loves to find the perfect pitch. And, but that is not worth half of my joke money. Right. And it is worth all, you know, half of my, my Amazon and iTunes sure, sure. money, all that download money. He can have half of that as far as I'm concerned forever. But right. the radio play money is all mine because I wrote the jokes. Right. And, and so, but people are giving away their product. But the flip side of it is you've also built the audience. And the thing about, I think all of this, when people, when people ask me to help them out with social media bullshit and, I explained to them, look, if this is fun, I'm going to uh, charge you less. Uh, if it's a ton of work, which most of the time it is, I'm going to charge you more. And right. they don't understand why. And I explained to them, I was online in 1994. Right. Okay. I've been on the internet for 20 fucking years. Right. The real internet. Yeah. Not not the not the BBS internet, not the right. AOL, the real internet. Like Usenet and yeah. Prodigy yeah. and all that all, nonsense. The, the, yeah. So I... So none of this, and I've had social media stuff that happened because of a BBS in okay. 94. Yeah. I had a bunch of people show up at my one man, my first one man show who all introduced themselves as their screen names. <laughs> and we only in just, 94. in 94, yeah. in 95, I found an ad for uh, the Cleveland Performance Art Festival that called me an internet surfer. <laughs> just like 1995, they're sure. calling me Internet Surfer. You're an Internet Surfer. I'm an Internet Surfer. You're the silver I'm, surfer I'm, of yeah, the Internet. Exactly. I'm just surfing. I'm just, just surfing, surfing on the net. You know, because you can't do anything real in 1995 on the Internet. But that, but that's what I mean. It's like I – what I've had to do over and over again is ignore, um, ignore what people – Say, ignore the part of your brain that says that is listening. That doesn't. This doesn't make any sense. Yeah, you're not going to make any money. You're right, going to look like a fool. Right. What's a, who is that? Who says all that shit? Fuck that guy. <laughs> 
That's what I, and you know, and you know, cause I have fucking failed huge on the internet. I have failed multiple campaigns raising money. I have, you know, people, they're like, Oh, you, you know, you have this huge audience. No, tiny, tiny audience. I know how that, cause here's how I know my audience. I talk to them. Right. I actually talk to them. It's not, a, they're not a number. Right. I know their names. I know some of them are going through some, some hard personal shit right now. Right. They've had family members die. One's sick right now in the hospital. Yeah. And I've been talking to all of them. That's not, and then when I sit down in some motherfucker's office who tells me what audiences want, and he's, he knows what audiences want because he works at a big time TV production company, but he's never talked to an audience <sighs> member in his life. Right. So I have to listen to you. How right. about, how about this? You listen to me. I'm the storyteller. I talk to the audience. I know how to do this. Right. I I don't need you to do this. I don't, uh, the only thing I need is an audience to help me tell stories. Right. And so when I, so I chased money stupidly for a year trying right. to get season three of Vampire Mob done. Yeah. Because a TV production company told me, we don't want to produce your show. We just have a few notes. And I didn't have a problem with the notes because they were good ideas. They're still yeah. in the script. They're in the graphic novel. Yeah. yeah. So I <laughs> spent a lot of time and, uh, uh, things didn't work out. They changed their mind. I won't go into it. Right. So all of a well, sudden I don't have, um, I don't, I, I wrote a giant show. I blew a lot of time doing what most people do, chase the magical thinking dollar right. thing that's going to come and make, because we were going to shoot a big show. We were going to be shooting at three and four in the morning. Right. This was not going to be the way we did the last one. It was right. way you were gonna bigger. Work. I had yeah. Cheryl Lee, who played Laura Palmer in Twin Peaks, cast in. I had Kimmy Robertson, who played uh, Lucy Moran on Twin Peaks, in. Right. Chris Mulkey, who was on Twin Peaks, twice, uh, I mean, I had already been in the first two seasons. He was in season three. So I had three people from Twin Peaks Yeah, already cast on board. Uh, Cheryl Lee, I, I, the weirdest thing is to have a phone conversation with Laura Palmer's voice right? and, <laughs> and discuss what character Laura Palmer's voice would like to play. And then to have Kimmy Robertson, if you don't know, uh, if you go to Play Shorts, look for um, Valerie's Shorts. World, PlayShorts.com. Okay. Yep. Uh, Kimmy Robertson is in that with Peter Sprague, very funny. Uh, gentleman, we both Who's going to be unbenched. Who's unbenched and yep. is in a movie called Rudderless, which is yeah. uh, William H. Macy's first film. Oh, right. And um, the, so, yeah, play shorts, they're just plays that they're one act plays that you wrote for a local theater because that's what you do. Well, the thing about it is like I. And then you shot some. Well, what I love is that I love what I loved about stand up and what I miss about stand up is the audience. Yeah. I don't miss all the bullshit. I no. just miss the audience. Right, right. The people sitting there and the yeah. instant r- reaction yeah. and getting and all the kn- feedback. You know, I mean, when it's magical, when yeah. you, uh, you know, when I was in the best stand-up shape of my life, when I could do a half hour, 45 minutes, and it wasn't going to be a problem. Right. And, 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 and everyone was, playing, was on board. And yeah. I wasn't even doing fucking material. And it was just... Ah, oh, like a magic. It's just like talking to a bunch of people and fucking around. We're all, that's great. And then there's other times where everybody hates you. They don't want to hear a word you have to say. <laughs> I did. And a, that's part of the deal. Last night. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I, so what's great about this is that everyone I talk to chooses to listen to me. Yeah. The stories yeah. I make, uh, they choose to listen to me. They choose to help me with their money. I don't have the money to do this. Right. So, you don't have the money to do it. So you have so to the, do it from, 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 right. from the fans, from the, right. the people and who I are listening to And I can't make a profit on it because There's the audience is money. too small. Right. When the audience is bigger, then my plan is to build a giant audience and tell them stories for the rest of my life. Pretty right. easy job. Here's my, here's my one thing on that. Louis C.K. set the price point for a download of uh, our specials. He said it at $5. Right. And so my hour special, which I recorded last December and came out in April or March or whatever, um, 
I was like, all right, I guess I'm doing a $5 download. Well, he has a hundred thousand fans. Right. I have four. Right. Uh, so 4,000 people have bought my download special, right. which is great. Absolutely. And I am very, very happy about it. But you think to yourself, Hey, Louis CK, you could have set the price point at seven or 10 bucks and everybody still would have bought it. But he and didn't know what. He, he didn't, didn't know it was going to work. Oh, he didn't know it was blow, blow the heck yeah. up. He just wanted to give it away to some extent. And he thought five bucks seemed fair, but, uh, but it's, unf- you know, and, and he I, makes his living on the road and he makes his living on the road and, and he makes writing his, and TV and all the rest of it. But, right. And he's fine. He's not living check yeah, to check on the road. Right. He's okay. But, uh, now, so the, the mistake I made listening, listening and waiting for TV production company to give me money to go make this show yeah. was, uh, Marsha Wallace, who plays one of the main characters, Virginia. She's the mother-in-law vampire. Uh, I didn't know her. Uh, I'd worked with her. Uh, I wrote the script with her in mind uh, before she... Did you meet her through Jane Wilson? Yeah, I did Jane yeah. Wilson's... Um, there was some kind of pilot Storytelling. Oh, pilot. the pilot. Yeah, there was a pilot at the improv that Jane Stephanie Corson was uh, in. And... Uh, St- Jane Wilson craft episode of The Dork Forest. Oh, Give, yeah. Go back in time. Yeah. Stephanie Courtney has not yet been on the program. Oh, really? I know. She is I the... I've seen her in eons. I saw her at the... Oh, right. I saw her at the grocery store. Uh, we wow. sat and uh, talked for a good long time. And uh, she's good people. She's good and, people. And uh, she plays the progressive flow lady. Right. Anyway, so I'm sure she's bought land. Uh, hopefully. I hope so. I hope, I hope she's socked <laughs> it away somehow. But so, that's how you met her. That's how I met her. And, and so I wrote this story with her playing this role without her knowing it. And then when I was done, I'm like, hey, maybe I should see if she wants to do it. And I learned from, uh, if you Google Department of Doom Power Loafing, uh, it's a web series that Michael Upchurch made. Mike Upchurch did. And uh, Neil Patrick Harris is doing a guest star. It was before he did Dr. Horrible. So right. for those in the web series history people. Uh, <laughs> Go back in time. It's, it's before it's, it Dr. Is. Horrible, <laughs> if you want to know your history. So uh, the deal that they made with him was four hours. We need you for four hours. So so Mike and I were the entire crew and we got him in and out four hours. So that's how I went to Marsha. I'm like, Hey, four hours. So she loved the script, loved the character. And when, you know, 25 years on the Simpsons and Bob Newhart and right. somebody tells you they like their script and you know, she didn't need to do this. She no, absolutely. Fuck nothing. Yeah. I had nothing to offer. Right. And she loved it. And then she came back and did it again. And she was on board for season three and she died almost exactly a year ago. Yeah. She uh, passed October away. 25th, 2013. Yeah. And so I was all of a sudden I was like, like I One put, of my, char- I put my characters. life savings into vampire mode. Yeah. Like I took a giant chunk of money so I could buy the time so I could learn how to do all this. And I walked away from the best paying day job I ever had. That was slowly killing me. Right. 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 It was, it was definitely and, and the, to go. Remember the talk the about hair? the stress on the hair? Yeah. Wait, beginning? Yeah. Right. So that right. was, and it was, you know, so, I, I had to juggle a lot. I was a con man for the biggest companies. So on the literally Marsha Wallace passes away and you think I can't shoot it anymore. Nobody can yeah. replace her. Right. Cause it would just, it was the vibe of the show. And then I could rewrite her character and come up with the whole thing, but it was like, she was, you know, such a, you know, the, th- uh, Ramey Hall, John Colella, and Marsha Wallace are the, the, they're the, the three main characters. Right. And the even though it's a giant ensemble, like there are right. no extras, uh, and I love on un- giant ensemble stories. They're fucking, they're so much fun to write and make. Right. So I. But there's no recasting it. There's no recasting it. So it was, uh, say goodbye to Vampire Mob. Close right. It, close it down. Mm-hmm. Call it a day or make it into a graphic novel. So I. Right. There's, there's other, yeah, there's other avenues, right? And, there's and other it was, venues. well, with the Simpsons, they just 
got rid of her character. I can't just get rid of her character, but I could keep her character alive and we could kind of imagine her voice saying the words on and the page. And you're not a huge graphic novel guy. You're not a yeah, comic book guy. Right. So what made you go graphic novel? I... Because now you have to learn a whole new yes. thing. Yes, well, that was you know, like because you you had written you had written all kinds of I've, like feature have, length have, scripts. And you I had written thirty two short, short scripts. film scripts, thirty two, yeah. thirty three, maybe thirty four. Waiting, done. Sitcom ready to spec shoot. scripts. You have a thousand yeah, kinds I have a of, lot of shit. and then you learn to shoot things, and now right. you have to learn how to right. make a graphic novel, and that's a different script. And I don't. Yeah, it's a weird. I don't know anything about the form. I, so you read the Scott McCloud book, right? I, yeah, I talked understanding. To, comics, I talked to right? Terry Reed, Tau X Productions, on uh, Twitter, and he was like, "Read Scott McCloud. Um, if you it's want a great to place this. to start. It's an amazing, it really, amazing." And, book. and I would actually recommend it for screenwriters or anybody who writes any kind of story because it affected how I write scripts. Because uh, I wrote a short film after that, and I think the thing is with comic books, graphic novel, same thing. Um, the four, most people just go, oh, uh, uh, storyboard. Uh, you, you just make a storyboard and they're like, no, asshole. That's not how it works. No. You just, it's not, a storyboard is, is a map for a camera and a, it's not, you're not telling a fucking story. You're just going, shoot it this way, then shoot it that way, then shoot it this way, then shoot it that way. That's not telling a story. And as I was reading McLeod's book, I'm like, like it's bending my brain. Right. Because what he talked, part of what he talked, the, the thing that kind of bent my brain the most, was not only that this form is way the fuck older than film, way older than film. Of course, of course. Uh, but also that in terms of storytelling, the contemporary storytelling, what happens between the frames? What happens oh. from frame to frame? What, what is the, what does the human right. brain That's do right. in between those frames? And the way that you tell a story with, an image that's not moving and just words or words that make a sound is that they do it's, it is, there is no other form that does this to your brain. Right. And it, and it, because got, it's not like prose. I mean, in prose, no. you're, you're, because prose can, ha, has, has the leisure to actually describe things. And then your brain works and it gets to, it gets to celebrate that and create images and stuff. This thing, there are images, but that he does, he talks about that space in between boxes, in between the mm-hmm. frames or what, mm-hmm. um, panels, panels. Yeah. panels. And, um, that place in between the panel where your mind just sort of, it does, it goes off into the world. Yeah. And then it comes back down. And it doesn't, and it, you know, you do that when you're reading. Right. You're sort of off in that world, but yeah. you're not, it's just not the same thing. And the thing with- The images are so, they add so much to the- There it's is- It's so different than reading it, prose. I completely agree. And it, and it's, you know, different than the moving image and what was so, so I kind of, I don't remember. It was something that we talked about before, Marsh. I talked to the audience, you know, like, can you, because it had been the last episode went out in 2011, December right. of 2011. So it's October 2014. How the fuck are people still? Like, every, and this is the thing is like, the thing I was taught was that you put out something, it has a spike and then it dies. <laughs> and, and, and we're taught that because that is the way the film industry works. That is the way the television industry works. That they need millions of people to do something at the same time. Whereas a but podcast. But that's in the 60s and the 70s. But that's even now. But then remember, but, uh, the first time it, that changed, and, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but oh, I no, mean, no. the first time that changed is when it's VHS. Okay. It's a safe space, Jay. Safe space, Welcome exactly. Welcome. <laughs> Hello, uh, Joe J. Wilson, by the way, at Vampire Mob and at Joe Wilson TV. Let's just get that out again. But the, uh, um, 
when VHS was there, there was this secondary market for the first time and they, their minds were blown. They were, they were like, Oh, we can make money on old shit. Mm -hmm. And you know, and that is, I mean, the pile of of haircuts that run Hollywood and just, just a stack of sunglasses as far as I'm concerned. I like, I know people work in the industry. There's very good, genuine, nice people. No, there's plenty of good people, but, but 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 it's like money grubbing jackasses too, which are weird. And the industry is broken because they are, they don't know how to adjust to it's spike mentality. It's, you need to get X number of ratings so you can sell advertising. You need to get X right. number of ticket sales so you can pay for this giant fucking marketing thing you just threw out. Right. People are constantly asking me the numbers on the Dork Force. And yeah. I'm like, too many things are happening. I can't tell you the actual numbers because I have iTunes numbers, but then Stitcher republishes but, but, but it. But how about and, this? Who cares? Who cares? But but, re, but I, what I mean is really who cares? Because <laughs> that's the thing. It's like... Who, like, why, why right. is, it's like the people who say, oh, you make any money doing that? Right. Uh, no, I'm not. Well, you then why would you do it? My well, I'm, entire right, family. Right. I'm not, and, and then I'm like, okay, well, what is it? What chances have you taken in your life? What adventures have you gone on? Oh, right, right. You know how to get a benefit from a company that fucks you over after they force you into retirement, which happened to people I know. Right. So now is the time to get out from under the giant corporate umbrella because we can now talk to people all over the world. We can right. sell products all over the world. And we that can doesn't sell stories mean that people should quit their jobs. We are saying do the thing you want to do. For Absolutely. the love of the baby yeah. Jesus, get and your out life there. will change. Like my life, like that's what I mean Start by the audience painting. saved me. Like the audience, Watercolor. The audience saved me. Me. Like I was, what happens to somebody in their forties who has not succeeded in showbiz? They go away. Right. They go away. They or, create a job. Or they get, or they get crazy and yeah. they just keep showing up at shows with a briefcase full of newspaper and just keep doing an open <laughs> mic every week. Right. And I, you know, I, the thing but I love I'm to, glad that they're doing the open mic because sure, sure. they have well, to have a day job and. Yeah, yeah, you gotta, you gotta work your you material outlet, out. You but you outlet. also, I could go and, I could do that, but I don't, I want to talk to more people. I want to build something. I want stories that, you know, all, all my comedy right. was topical. It died. Right. If I'm doing, if I'm doing this show just for a hundred people, that's fine. Right. You know? And what, I mean, the thing about stand-up comedy for me is that I'll always do stand-up comedy, right? right. And I think about that movie, The Wrestler. And I think about my 60s and how I will be driving around the Northwest because I'll always live here now. And uh, and I'll be in my 60s and I won't want to drive a lot further than that. But I'll be doing treble runs and I'll be doing whatever there is uh, to do stand-up comedy. And yeah, but I, I think it'll you be don't ever co- have to stop. I think the flip side of it is in your 60s, you have been talking to an audience for a few decades. Right. And what happens is you uh, have an audience. It's sort of like look what Kevin Smith does with his podcast and his movies. He just goes to the audience. Right. And so he doesn't touch the industry at all. And now he's making a movie right now with Johnny Depp and Johnny Depp's daughter and him and his daughters in the superhero film that they're making right huh. now. So I, I just think like everything is wide open. And the problem is that we all want this response that makes us feel like we're validated. We're good. That's why people come up with all these award shows and podcast fests and all that shit. And it's great that everybody can get together and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But it's not 
It you, doesn't build an audience. It just because you make it and you put it out, who fucking cares? We need to know who the person is behind the creative thing. That's what the audience right now. It's about accessibility. It's not about fame. It's not about celebrity. It's right. it's about authenticity. It's about uh, uh, it's about all the small business things that you would do in the 1800s that you now do online. You're nice to people. You yeah. say hello. Right. You try not to swear too much, even though I do. Right. And some people hate that and then they go away. That, that is, and, and some people are not your demographic. Right. There are lots of people who don't like my work. They are not my audience. Right. And then that's fine. And that's easy. And there are things that I don't like that other people do and because they're not doing it for me. Like when right. I think about some comics or some movies and some books and some, I'm like, well, I'm glad you like that. That actually makes me uncomfortable. I don't enjoy it. But there's so much content out there that I can just, I can half a step. But literally. If I move my eyes one pixel, uh, there's a whole world. Yeah. And, and the, and the, and re- the reality of the dark forest, of this idea that there are all these pockets of humanity who like shit. Yeah. That no, not a lot of other people like in their neighborhood. <laughs> but when they get online, there's thousands, hundreds, thousands, right. millions. And Bam the thing for, about it is yeah. when we can all connect without any kind of company, yeah. making that connection possible other than the internet just got a text. Sure. Um, that I think the, that's what, that's what changed. That's right. what everybody seems to like. Do you realize what is possible now? Right. And corporations are trying desperately to put us back in a box. They're like, well, they're trying to put Pandora back in, but right. you can't. It's over. It's just like there's no more Tower Records, just like there's no more Borders books. Right. When you, when CBS has their own streaming service, when Netflix owns the Emmys, when Amazon, uh, puts HBO's out sitcoms. HBO's going, going, you can, in, right. In, HBO, individual. A, right. So what they're, it's audience fragmentation. The business model was always to get millions of people to do something at the same time. What happened was technology allowed us to do it on our time. What we wanted, exactly what we wanted, exactly when we wanted it. And that is the worst thing for the entertainment industry. So what they have to do is they have to devalue their content, look at a much longer tail instead of looking at that that weekend spike or that one night of ratings. Now they've got to look at like, what's the long tail on this? And the thing with Netflix is they never talk about ratings because it's not part of their business model. Right. And that's the thing about all of this. Like the companies want to be individual human beings on social media. They brands need to humanize themselves and they can't because they're fucking company. <laughs> right. I'm a, hum- I'm a human being. Everybody right? knows I'm a human being. Yep. And that is such a Dave. bigger, it's a bigger advantage. Yeah. It's such a bigger advantage on social media to be an individual human being just talking about shit than trying to pretend to be a guru or an expert or fuck whatever. Right. Right. Like who it's, cares? Right. I don't, you can't make me care about your story. You can't make me care about your podcast. You can't make me care about anything. Right. So why are you pretending that you can? You right. can't market me. Right. Um, You're not going to market me. No one get, gets marketed anymore. What they do is they become familiar with something they like and they share it and other people know about it. And that takes years. Most people won't put in that time. So they never succeed. Wow. All right. Well. What I want people to do, though, is to get the graphic novel when it comes out. The, the season three, you made it into a graphic novel. Yeah. So I I read all these Scott McCloud books. I, I yeah. literally posted on Twitter um, that I'm looking for an artist. Uh, I got in touch with Corey Blake, uh, a guy I knew that worked at the used to work at the company I worked at when I was a PI, who was okay. a big comic book dork. 
and he like he knows he writes for uh, Robot Six Comic Book Resources. He knows the history of it, the business of it, perspective, art. And I'm like, can we just meet for coffee? And I'll just kind of talk yeah. to you about what I'm doing. And as I'm talking, and I talk about Scott McCloud's book, and 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 he's like, and and I said, would you like to be like the creative consultant? And come okay, because I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Right, right. And so he uh, came on board. Uh, uh, he hooked me up with uh, Darren Bennett, who's a Eisner Award-winning uh, letterer. Okay, he's doing the lettering. Uh, Jam Renke who is a French citizen who lives in China, yep. um, is drawing the book he drew and wrote, uh, Repossessed on Image. Uh, okay. It's just a, a four-issue series, but right. very good, highly. And it was what made me like, I wanted to work with an artist who drew yeah. and, and, and wrote, like not somebody who just... He, like I wanted repossessed as a as a as an indie thing that he did it. No, he did, he did on it image. All. Yeah, he did uh, it all. He, he, he did, did it on all. image comics. On yeah, image, of course. Right. But I mean, but uh, yeah, he, yeah, he did that's everything. What I meant. He, yeah. he lettered, colored everything, and that's, that's and 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 his story. And it's uh, it's about people that are repossessing uh, souls. And he did research on demonology and has <laughs> like like real demonology research <laughs> sure, built sure. into the book. It's really cool. So I had a 150 page script, which is longer than a feature film, to adapt into a graphic novel. Okay. So I have say eight episodes. I probably have eight or nine issues uh, already written, ready to go. So I had to learn how to. And each to, issue is 22 pages like normal? 20, no, we're going 28. Okay. Going 28. And then I'm going to have a couple of pages of back matter, just uh, a couple of surprises for the audience. And um, yeah, just fun stuff in the end. Well, it's, it's some stuff they don't know about. The yeah, characters that's good. that um, I'm actually going to be Scott McCloud in my own book. I'm going to be like, "Hi, I'm Joe," and, <laughs> and, I'm, gonna, and I'm just talk to the audience for two pages and Hilarious. just tell them a little story. Good. But uh, so we, that was fuck. We I started the Indiegogo campaign in June 23rd. It ended on August 8th. We raised 110 percent of the goal. Yep. Uh, I saw the last page inked yesterday. Uh, I read 17 pages of it, lettered. Uh, so it's ready for digital publication. my own thing yeah. was the weirdest experience I think I've ever had because I am so used to being in the middle of fucking everything. Like, yeah. like I walk like, do, off, I walk off with the, band. I walk off the set with cards. No yeah. one sees anything until I put it online. Like, right. I do the sound, the color, everything. No right. one does. You had to let any, go. And well, let, I had to learn how to do all that stuff because God. otherwise I would have to pay someone and right. that's more expensive. So now I know how to do all this shit. That's why I'm like, I can shoot completely Google YouTube. But uh, with the graphic novel, you had me. to let go because that guy right, had to exact. draw. So yeah. that's what I'm sitting there reading 17 pages and I'm reading it like, I don't know what's fucking happening next. What's like, next? I don't know. I'm like, I know I wrote this. I'm like, oh my God, this is great. And I'm like, what do I mean? So yeah, it was, it, it. I will continue uh, if the audience is up for it. Yeah. I've got eight, nine more issues. So right. uh, my plan is it will be free digitally on Comixology, on VampireMob.com. Uh, if if you want a hard copy, I haven't sent the print order in yet at this moment. Right. Uh, and even when this airs in a couple of weeks, I still won't probably have put in the order yet. Okay. Uh, but um, the – I'm going to keep going. Issue two, issue three, issue four, issue five. Like yeah, because they're written. And there's no rules. Yeah, there's so, no rules. So, yeah. So I'm uh, – books black and white. Jam hadn't drawn a black and white book. So just the color is cover. Everything else is black and white. Nice. And, uh, and Don's got to find out uh, – Don has to go to Awake to find out if anyone knows he killed the guy in the box. <laughs> right. Who's so, his hey, boss. So what people can do – 
they can watch the first two seasons for free. Absolutely, yeah. On VampireMob.com. Right. And then uh, and then the graphic novel will be free on Comixology. Right. Or if you can get a hard copy, go to VampireMob.com right. probably also, I, and I just order it that way. I have copies with director's commentaries. I'm going to do a, a writer commentary for the graphic yeah. novel. I'm going to make a video of the comic book. Oh, nice. And have a writer's commentary track on <laughs> and it. You being the writer? Me being the writer. Yeah. Oh, very nice, very nice. Yeah. I asked Jam yeah. if he wanted to do one. He's like, yeah, no. So... <laughs> Yeah, I'm not going to talk over my art, jackass. So, I'm like, all right, it would have been fun. Come on, man. would have been mo- – Honestly, most I, – I didn't think it was going to be – like I – the whole process is really interesting. It's yeah. a new form. I didn't think it was going to be this much fun. I yeah. didn't think I was going to like it this much, and I didn't think I was going to be as psyched about continuing uh, or the results. So, yeah, no, end of November – Beginning of December, there will be uh, electronic and print uh, showing up, and uh, a lot of people worked on this. Couple hundred plus people contributed from all over yeah. the world. Um, Lynn Air McDonald, New Zealand, was the publicist uh, uh, for the graphic novel and still is pushing it. Catherine sure. Holmes is in Canada doing the the graphic design. Uh, Darren Bennett, the letter is in New Jersey. Jams in China. Right. And Corey and I are in Los Angeles and uh, we're the only two who have met. Uh, no one else has right, ever everybody met. Everybody just online. Yeah. So to, have, to, so to have like, you know, four continents, and three yeah. continents, four country. It's yeah. just, I'm just a guy in my apartment with a cat. Yeah. Like, I don't understand. <laughs> I don't. What? Like, that's what I mean. Why it's does like, Kathy get no credit with this? This is a oh yeah. Art, art, Ka- Kathy Zaloga is the only reason I am able to do any of this. My wife, that who is also wife, is who is my friend, who is who, <laughs> and, yeah, and, yes. and and my friend too. And turns out you yeah, guys yeah, are friends. Yeah, yeah. we've been friends friendly. for a good twenty years yeah, now, haven't and you? Change, yeah. yeah. But and uh, she all. But the great thing about Kathy is that she reads a fuck ton of books. Yeah, and it gives really good story notes. Yeah, like she's great at story notes, and and the she went to school for painting. Right. Uh, the museum school in Boston. So even the art, like she's looking at the, cause I, I'm like, you could draw this. And she's like, I could, but I have no idea how. Right. And so now she's looking at the art and she's, yeah. like it's, she's having fun. So, That's awesome. Yeah. It's, 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 uh, I wouldn't, you know, I'd trade this for success in showbiz cause this is way more fun. Yeah. This is way more fun. This is all right. Well, Joe Wilson, this has been really fun. This is a, I love uh, following this journey and I, we're going to do it together as long as we go. Absolutely. So, hey, Rangers, uh, get out there. Uh, Check out vampiremob.com and then, and then get the graphic novel if you like. And, uh, thank you so much for listening to the show. Thank you for being on the show, Jeff. Thank you for having me back on the Dork Forest. (laughs) My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat, (laughs) my hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh my god. Thank we you. why don't we just call that as the end of the show?